0: The 2023 college baseball season is here, and that means it's time to start talking MLB draft. We're looking at who should be the number one overall pick, outfielder Dylan Cruz of LSU or right-hand pitcher Chase Dolander, whose name we say wrong this entire episode of Tennessee. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. So... College baseball kicked off over the weekend. Fantastic long weekend. They took advantage of the fact that Monday was a holiday. We had games all four days. I really love what MLB did. They had a bunch of teams out in Arizona. I think they called it the Desert Invitational, but it was just baseball on all weekend. Tons of fun. Really enjoyed getting to watch college baseball all weekend and check out some stuff. And the question came across in our Discord. uh, Who should be the number one pick in the draft? And it's It's already, before the season, it's already kind of narrowed down to two players. So right-hand pitcher Chase Dollander out of the University of Tennessee and outfielder Dylan Cruz of LSU. Let's look at both these guys, figure out pros and cons of each, what they should work on this year, and then we'll get to some of the best hitting and pitching options later in the show. So Chase Dollander, 6'2", 200, and in 2022, very, very impressive year. 239 ERA in 79 innings pitched with 108 strikeouts to 13 walks. Uh, he got a start this weekend. They were playing Arizona out there in the desert. Uh, he went four and two thirds innings, three hits, two earned runs, one walk, and seven strikeouts. And the length of that start is common early in the year for a college team. A lot of your starters haven't quite been stretched out. You have a dead period where you don't get the players in college for about 45 to 50 days covering when classes end in December all the way through until they report for spring practice and then you get about 3 weeks of spring practice before you start the season so it's it's not surprising to see this scenario where you you have starters who aren't quite stretched out yet we got a guy later in the show who threw 98 innings or 98 pitches on Friday, which was kind of nuts, but we'll get to that in a minute. So what Chase Dollander does very well, uh, his his arsenal is considered to be one of the better arsenals in all of college baseball. Uh, The fastball is just absolutely destructive. 70 grade fastball sits 95 to 97. He can uh, touch 99 with it and he can hold that velocity deep into the start, right? Uh, slider sits in the mid 80s, but he can run it up to about 91 or so, which is very impressive. Uh, you know, it ends up being one of the harder sliders in college baseball when he throws it with its full power. There, uh, he has a, a, a. It's probably a plus pitch too. The slider's a plus pitch. He does have a changeup. Uh, I'd call it above average. It sits in the the upper 80s. Because again, about 10 mile an hour separation off the fastball. He doesn't use it a ton. And you'll notice a lot of prep and college pitchers, especially if they have some really good other stuff, just don't necessarily use a changeup a ton. It is considered to be one of the le- uh, lesser effective pitches. And really, it's there for, for timing to steal strikes. We do have a guy later who has a very, very good changeup. But for the most part, you, you a lot of power pitchers in college just... The changeup is not a big part of their arsenal. Uh, He does have a curveball. I like the curveball. He rarely uses it. So it's a high 70s curveball, a ton of horizontal break to it, right? So it's, it's kind of like it's a slower version of one of those sweepy sliders that we talk about so much. It's kind of in vogue right now. And he doesn't really use it because, again, the fastball slider combo is good enough to get through most of what he needs to get through. Now, he does have very good control. I've seen some places call him above average. I'd call it plus control. I rarely see him walk guys because he couldn't find the strike zone. And so I think overall the package, you're looking at a like a plus package. I have seen some arguments in some places that Chase Dollander is probably the best college pitching prospect in about a decade or more. If you want to kind of nitpick, and I'm going to try to, in here, have things that we're looking for for each one of these prospects in the 2022 or 2023 college season to take them to the next level. The thing for Chase Dollander is, one, use that curveball more, but then two, he needs to be able to land it for strikes. That's been an issue, that's been a weakness, is the ability to take that curveball and land it in the zone. Um, A lot of places don't even think it's that great of a pitch. I like the curveball. Again, he just, he throws it for a strike about half the time. Uh, And then he doesn't, it doesn't get a lot of swing and miss in the zone. And so if you can, if he can make it a little bit better, land it a little better for a strike and then increase the usage of it, I think it's going to be a differentiator that just makes him the no doubt number one overall pick. His competition for that number one overall pick is outfielder Dylan Cruz of LSU, 6'205". So not that massive, massive frame you expect from a fantastic power hitter, but fantastic power hitter, right-handed hitter Uh, in 2022, 62 games at LSU, 349, 463, 691. If you're a prospect person uh, and you're new to kind of following college stats, some of these college stat lines are going to be wild. Like, it's just, that's just the nature of college baseball. 22 home runs for Dylan Cruz, 37 extra base hits, 42 walks to 56 strikeouts, and five of seven on stolen bases. So the hit tool, the power tool, both of them I feel like are plus. Uh, The exit velos are phenomenal. LSU actually has an analytics, a, a Twitter account for their analytics team. And so they'll commonly tweet out exit velos. Things like that. He's consistently at the top of these lists. So the max exit velos are ridiculous. The average exit velo is pretty good. He has good uh, pitch recognition as well. Forty-two walks in sixty-two games. Just doesn't, uh, you know, draws a ton of walks. He does strike out fifty-six strikeouts, and I think a lot of that is when he play when he he's faced really good stuff. He kind of gets a little streaky. The swing and miss starts to be more of an issue. Uh, and that's a sample size thing that kind of happens to college hitters sometimes. If you spend a whole weekend facing a mid-major or some sort of weaker competition, you're getting a lot of fastballs in the mid 80s, things like that. If they all of a sudden have a guy who's an MLB guy on this, you know, on that team, and he hops into the game throwing 96, you're just so out of your timing, so off that it can cause some issues. Uh, I do think that one, like it, if he can kind of work that a bit, you're going to see him take off and be there's two things he needs to work on to be the no doubt number one guy. Um, that it's one, it's the chasing off speed and sliders. He had a 39% swing and miss last year on off speed. He had a 45% swing and miss on sliders. So working on some of that premium stuff, uh, you know, facing the best off speed, the best sliders, simply because. A lot of that is not things you see a ton of in college. You don't see very, very good breaking balls a lot in college. Now, he's in the SEC, so he'll see it more than the average player will, but still. Uh, weakness against elite stuff is a common issue for college players, so that's fine. And then, he hits ground balls at like 48% of the time. I can't imagine what his stats would be if he could elevate 5 or 10% more of those ground balls. I mean... His slugging was 691. He had 22 home runs and 37 extra base hits in 62 games. And that's with just about every other ball being on the ground. I can't imagine what Dylan Cruz would do if he elevated 5 or 10% of those. So some things to work on there. Defensively, he's played some in center field, but I think he's going to end up being a right fielder. The arm is plus, the speed is above average. Uh, The reach routes reactions, I think, are good enough to start off in center, but it's something where you're going to have a better defender in the system that's going to push them to a corner. And honestly, I'm fine. We've talked on the show before about when you have a slugging, a, a slugging outfielder, I feel like when they run too much in center field, it takes away some of the power component of their game. So I think it's fine. He'll be above average defender in right field, whereas he'd probably be average, maybe above average in center, but probably just average. So put him in right, let him use that plus arm, and the speed to cover plenty of ground and let him absolutely eat. In just a minute, I want to get to the top hitting options in this upcoming class. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Uh, the midway point of the NBA season is here. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, the America's number one sports book, Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Safe secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money line, point scores, threes drained, all that kind of stuff. And then you can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. Uh, Quick preview, we have a show coming up later this week with Locked On MLB, our friend Sully over there, our pal Sully. We're talking about some of the rookies or some of the prospects that are going to debut this year and contend for rookie of the year. And when you look at this list of some of these guys, Uh, The favorite in the American League, Gunnar Henderson, plus 240. Right behind him, you have Hunter Brown at 750 of the Astros. You go to the National League. Corbin Carroll is the favorite at plus 350. Right behind him, you have three separate guys at plus 750. Jordan Walker of the Cardinals, Miguel Vargas of the Dodgers, although he has a minor injury and apparently hasn't been fully cleared for spring training yet. And then uh, Cody Singa. At plus 750. So stay tuned. going to be a fun show tomorrow talking about these prospects. But in the meantime, don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanduel, the official sportsbook partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, so when we're talking about the top hitters. In this class, right now, one week into the season, we're kind of looking at four guys as far as the top college options in this class. We'll do a show a little bit later, probably going to get some help with it, to talk about uh, the top prep options in this class, both arms uh, and bats. But right now, the top hitting options amongst college players, the first guy is outfitter Wyatt Langford of Florida, 6'1", 225. Hit 60, like, hit, uh, was in 66 games last year for Florida. 356, 447, 719, 26 home runs, 38 extra base hits. So, more than one every other game. 36 walks to 44 strikeouts and seven of 11 on stolen bases. The big thing for Wyatt Langford is he has, like, it's easily plus, if not double plus, raw power. He can, he can put it in. All fields. He can pull it. He can do opposite field down the line, whatever you need. He's also an above average runner. So that helps really good instincts. As far as the base paths, things like that. The first step is really good. So that means that the speed plays up a little bit on the base paths. The issue here with Wyatt Langford is the defense. He's played a little bit in center. He had Judd Fabian there last year at Florida, uh, I was looking this year to see last weekend, would he start off in center field? He started off in left. He's one of those guys that the arm is not great. It's fringy, maybe. I think he could stick in center if he had an opportunity. But kind of like Dylan Cruz, just about every system is going to have somebody with a better defender and it's going to push him to a corner. And then the issue there is his arm is not good enough to go to right. So he's going to be stuck in left. Uh, So that's kind of the thing that you have to figure out. He did get a couple innings in center field after they pinch hit for the center fielder. Uh, He shifted over the pinch hitter, entered the game and left. He moved over to center for a couple innings. Don't think he had a defensive opportunity while he was there. But it's something where definitely a bat first profile. And it's there for the power. Uh, Again, premium power. Wyatt Langford should be able to again 26 home runs in 66 games last year, slugging of 719. Uh, The number two, and there's, after Wyatt Langford, I've got two shortstops on here, and I'm putting, they're both Jacobs. I'm putting Jacob Wilson of Grand Canyon above Jacob Gonzalez of Old Miss, and I'll kind of explain why. So, Jacob Wilson of Grand Canyon, 6'3", 190, Uh, 59 games last year, 358, 418, 585, 12 home runs, 31 extra base hits. 25 walks to 7 strikeouts, or for one on stolen bases. 59 games, 7 strikeouts. That's the big thing here. So, the power ceiling is not great. It is 40 power right now. Uh, It could maybe get to 45 power in the bigs. I mean, he hit 12 home runs in almost 60 games in a metal bat. What's he going to do with the wood bat? It's probably not going to go up that much unless a ton of physical development happens. And so, that's going to be the limiting factor, I think, on, uh, on Jacob Wilson is the power ceiling. But, again, he almost never strikes out. Uh, he, it's very much a line drive swing. He can do it to all fields. He can shoot him down the line. He can put him in the gaps, take extra bases, and all of that. The big question is going to be the power ceiling and, and how much will that hold him back. The other thing is, the defense is somewhere between average and above average. And so the question you have, and, and, and kind of the issue here is, he could move to third or to second, but does he lean more into the speed part of his game, or does he try to develop that power? The issue here is, if you move to third base, you don't have the power profile of a typical third baseman, and so he's got to develop that power. If he kicks into second, Then, not having the power, you'd like him to have a little bit more speed to his game, maybe be a threat on the bases. But he's instinctually very, very good. His father was Jack Wilson, uh, who played in MLB as a shortstop for a while. And we noticed in last year's draft, a lot of teams like those kids of professional ballplayers because they have a better idea of how these guys are going to physically mature because they saw how their fathers physically matured. So, little bit of an extra thing there. It sounds dumb, but MLB teams take this into account. We heard from teams last year about all of the kids of big leaguers, Jackson Holiday, Carl Crawford's son, Andrew Jones's son, like all of these different big league uh, kids in the draft last year. So noteworthy of pointing out for Jacob Wilson. The other shortstop, Jacob Gonzalez of Old Miss. A lot of teams have him higher than Wilson on their boards, or I guess a lot of uh, MLB draft websites and the prospect apparatus have him higher on uh, their boards than Jacob Wilson. In 2022, he's 62200 In 2022 65 games, 273 405 558, 18 home runs, 30 extra base hits, 50 walks to 32 strikeouts and 4-6 on stolen bases. Offensively, uh, he's a good hitter. His power is mostly pull side power. Now, the actual, like the 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 metrics, the measurements on this stuff, the exit velos, the average, the max, all of that are pretty good. But his power, for the most part, manifests pull side versus full field. Definitely think that's something you have time to improve on. He'll obviously get better at that. But right now, that's where you are. There's some question about his mechanics. Uh, the swing is not as fundamentally sound as it should be. Uh, At the same time, there are guys who don't have a fundamentally sound swing, but it works for them. And so teams don't mess with it. Probably going to be a organization to organization thing. Are you comfortable with what his swing looks like? Do you want to fix his swing? It's worked in the SEC against the highest level of pitching. And so I'm inclined to kind of leave it, but I could see some teams wanting to, wanting to make an adjustment Uh, defensively. He he's a good athlete. He doesn't have fantastic speed, right? He good first step, the top end the the top end speed's just a little bit lacking. And so it's something where the arms above average, depending on the physical development, does he eventually move out to third base? If he does, again, you need that power to manifest a little bit more than just pull side, but either way, really like what we see out of Jacob Gonzalez. Want to see him hopefully improve just enough defensively where there's no doubt he's going to stick at shortstop uh, unless his size takes him away from it. The fourth guy, one of my favorite players in college baseball to watch, Enrique Bradfield, the outfielder from Vanderbilt. 6'1", 160. In 2022, 62 games, 317, 415, 498. So the slugging ceiling, not necessarily there. He had eight home runs and 23 extra base hits. 41 walks to 40 strikeouts, but this is the reason he's a top four, top five hitter from college in this draft. 46 of 46 on stolen bases. He did not get caught stealing one time in 2022. I watched him in three games when he came to Auburn, uh, when Vanderbilt made the trip to Auburn. And Auburn's catcher last year, uh, is is a guy that up until last year worked two ways. He was, he was on the mound and he was a catcher. And he'd run a fastball up to 94, 95. Massive arm. The only person that stole more than one base against Nate LaRue was Enrique Bradfield. I mean, there was teams that would not even attempt a steal all weekend because they knew about Nate LaRue's arm. Enrique Bradfield stole two first pitch gone. Didn't even hesitate to, to do it when he got on and was safe both times. It was one of the more, like he's probably the fastest player in college baseball. Uh, and because of that, he has plus defense in center field. Uh, the arm isn't necessarily the strongest, but it's more than good enough. Uh, I mean, comfortably a plus defender, if not better than that. Um, offensively, really good vision. Again, questions about the overall power ceiling. And I think that there is some room for physical development still. You have to make sure he doesn't get too much size and slow down. But Enrique Bradfield, the, the power ceiling is ultimately going to determine how big of a star he is. But I see him because the, the quality of contact is so good. The batting eye is so good. I absolutely see him as a like a major league traditional, like, old-school-style leadoff hitter. So, big fan of Enrique Bradfield. Going to be a really interesting conversation to see where he goes in the draft and what his power ceiling does this year. If he somehow figures out, you know, double-digit home runs, if he hits 15 home runs this year, 15, 20 home runs, I think you're looking at him as possibly your second position player off the board after Dylan Cruz. In just a minute, I want to get to some of the top arms in this class. There's a couple really interesting guys, including a really good changeup right here. Unlocked on MLB prospects. And we are back. So when we're looking at the top pitching options in the 2023 MLB draft, uh, you got to start off with Rhett Louder of Wake Forest. 6'2", 16 games last year, 11 3, 308 ERA, and 99 in the third innings, 105 strikeouts, so 9.5 per 9, to 26 walks, 2.4 per 9, uh, 9 home runs allowed. So Change-up is his thing, right? So the fastball is above average. Sits in the mid-90s, has some good sync to it. Uh, but the change-up is definitely a plus pitch in the mid-80s. It is his main put-away pitch. Has some surprising late drop to it and particularly effective. Uh, the slider is probably average right now. It's in the low 80s. I don't necessarily love the shape. So many sliders that you see right now are either the significant... Uh, horizontal sweepy slider or it's kind of a two plane break thing. His his is more of a vertical breaker, but it works. Uh, The things I think that he's got to to kind of work on here is he needs to get more swing and miss on the fastball. That's kind of an issue is it feels like folks can square up that fastball a little more than some of the other pitches in this class. Um, He got like an 18% swing and miss rate on the fastball, whereas the change up 38%, the slider 39%. And so if you're throwing the pitch 50% of the time, you need to get more swing and miss on it. If he can get a little bit more velocity or some more life to it to increase the swing and miss, I really like what a Rhett Lauder could do in the bigs. The question I have is, you know, we've talked about this before, those Wake Forest guys oftentimes They've done a lot of that development already because of the Wake Forest Pitching Lab. So how much additional can you get out of Rhett Lauder? I don't know. But in the meantime, it is incredibly fun every weekend when Rhett Lauder Day comes around. Love Rhett Lauder. Uh, right-hand pitcher Paul Skeens of LSU. I hope I'm saying that right. Paul Skeens. 6'6", 235, big boy, uh, transfer out of Air Force. So he's at LSU right now, transferred in from Air Force. Uh, last year at Air Force, 10-3, one ERA in 85 and two-thirds innings. 96 strikeouts of 10.1 per nine 30 walks 3.2 per nine and four home runs allowed uh the stuff here the fastball 70 grade fastball 95 to 99 or so just an absolute power pitch and his whole arsenal is kind of a power arsenal right uh so he he has he has that 70 fastball he has a plus slider it's in the high 80s it has a lot of like late drop to it just really kind of sudden drop changeup is solidly average but it's good enough for a third pitch sits again high 80s i've seen it touch as high as 91 uh, obviously a power profile some fade to it so you have fastball you have fade on the changeup you have drop on the slider um things i think he kind of needs to work on a little bit is getting more chase on those secondaries a lot of it is just trying to make sure that that those are effective if you can not land them for a strike. So something a little bit to work on. And then the question is, is he going to hit? So he was a DH as well at Air Force. And so um, offensively, if you're looking at him as a hitter as well, he didn't see a ton of velocity uh, at Air Force. And then he struggled really badly against secondaries. Uh, and so the question is going to be, is he going to hit? And then if he does hit, can he improve against premium stuff? But either way, he's still looking like one of the best pitching options in this draft. He threw 98 pitches on opening day. I had an SEC assistant coach say to me directly that that is definitely going to be a negative recruiting tool against LSU. Because we, we talked about Chase Dollander throwing four and two thirds, uh, you know, because so many guys are not stretched out. Opening day, they throw him, I think it was Western Michigan. It wasn't even like it was a, uh, like a big series or a, a really really tough out of conference nothing against Western Michigan, but it's not like it was a really tough out of conference series against a top team where you had to get a win. Uh, they won ten to nothing, but they threw him ninety eight pitches. Just kind of questionable about that early in the year pushing a guy that far. Uh, another pitcher also in the SEC, also a transfer, Hurston Waldrip at Florida. Again, hope I'm saying that right too. 6 1 transferred in from Southern Miss. Started 17 games at Southern Miss, 6 2 with a 320 ERA in 90 innings, 140 strikeouts, so 14 strikeouts per nine, to 33 walks, 3.3 per nine, with six home runs allowed. Questions here, or I guess not questions, what he does first. Uh, the fastball. Somewhere between plus and elite, so I mean 60, I've seen 65. I think MLB Pipeline has him at 65. I've seen some 70s somewhere. Uh, Sits around 95, can touch 99. The slider is solidly above average, sits in the upper 80s. And then he has a changeup that is average, sits in the mid 80s. But I really like, it kind of looks like a splitter, right? Like it it has the movement of a splitter. So I I like the changeup as far as a different profile from what you would normally see, especially in college uh, and then he has a, he flashes a curveball from time to time that I think could be one of his best secondaries if he would throw it more. It's a little inconsistent, but when it's on, it's a very good curveball. So something to kind of work on there. Uh, but I think what, what you're concerned about, and we've talked before about those Florida pitchers don't seem to appreciably get better while they're at Florida. Uh, the delivery is a high effort delivery. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of violence in it. And so I'm a little bit worried about kind of Injury and 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 reliever risk as far as just how violent that delivery is, uh, what it's going to do to his control and things like that. And when you watch, it definitely does look like like he needs to be able to land the fastball for strikes more. He you know, he only throws it for a strike, uh, you know, low sixties, like percent wise. And so if he can get that to the upper sixties, I think you're going to, or maybe even ideally seventy percent, I think you're going to be better. But there's just a lot of uh, it's a it's a rough delivery, and I, I just again there's questions about the reliever risk. He was a reliever at Southern Miss his freshman year. Then he became a starter in 2022. The question is, can he do it at the SEC level, and can he que- answer some of those questions about the violence in the delivery? I want to mention a lefty real quick. Had to get a lefty in here. Grayson hit from Alabama. Uh, stats aren't nearly as good as a lot of these other guys, but saw him a bit in fall, looked a lot more impressive uh, scouting-wise than he did statistically. So 6'3", 195. Last year for Alabama, 14 games, 4 and three, 5 5-3-4 three, ERA in 16 two-thirds innings, 68 strikeouts, 10.1 per nine, to thirty walks, 4.5 per nine, and 10 home runs allowed. He added a cutter. I really like it. So fastball plus fastball 93 to 97 or so uh the cut fastball is in the or the cutter is in the upper 80s uh, has a slider that's above average sits in the mid 80s has a curveball that I think it's below average I've seen some places have it as average but sits in the mid 70s and then he has a changeup that is pretty like unanimous that it's below average pitch in the upper 80s and the issue is when he throws it too often he throws it up and not down and it gets destroyed so obviously definitely need that pitch to stay down but uh, just like the combination of stuff the big thing for Grayson hit is throw more strikes I watched him in the fall uh, he was Alabama came to Auburn for a fall scrimmage and the issue and again is weird for a lot of this stuff but just wasn't throwing enough strikes so he's got to throw more strikes Uh, but if he does he may be the first college lefty off the board kind of looked at as a second round guy there's a couple prep lefties that we like better than him in this draft class but I've got him right now as the first college lefty on the board Uh, the goal here for him would be to make it into the first round fantastic week this week Reminder, if you have questions for Monday's mailbag, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects MLB Prospects at gmail.com or drop your questions in the Locked on MLB Prospects Discord. Link is in the episode description and the link is in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects.